Welcome to Piecing It All Together. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. And we're piecing it all together for you, with you, and hopefully by you. And today we're going to talk about DNA and belonging. (laughs) You know why, right? Right. So Elizabeth Warren has come out with her DNA reveal. Yeah. What an interesting, completely modern uh, moment where... You know, for so long, our current president has been mocking her by calling her Pocahontas. Yeah, which is really racist. So racist. She finally went and had a DNA test, and it came back, and it shows that there's a very high likely possibility that she does have Native American uh, in her ancestry. Yeah, and now the the question is, well, yeah, is she, does she really? I mean, it could be one thirty second, it could be one five hundred and twelfth, and so it's that kind of a question now. It's like sort of, uh, and I think part of the confusion comes from uh, this whole issue of what does it mean to be a Native American yeah. in our day and age. So I have so many questions about this. Okay. I want to ask you about fractions. Okay. Like what is up with the all the numbers? Yeah. That's the first thing. Because I hear it all the time. Oh, you know, my great grandfather was a quarter Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Like what is what is all the fractions about? Secondly, is what does it mean to have like legal status as a as a tribe or a band? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, so what? If, if somebody finds, like if I were to take a test and it turns out in my, you know, in my little ancestry packet, and it turns out that I have like, let's say, mm-hmm. right from East India, but that revelation has no impact on my actual existence. Possibly. Right? Well, okay. So let's talk about that. Those, those are three things. Can we go right, through it? Let's start with the first What's one. up with the numbers, the fractions? Okay. So, um... And I don't know why my voice just got really high there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I can. I, I don't know. What I, was doing. I get excited. I don't know. Okay, so um, I won't try to um, like you know police your tone. Okay, so thanks. You, you can do what you want. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm going to give you my theory. Okay. okay. So my theory is this really um, comes, uh, it has a long history. It's probably like a lot of the Western worldview things. It comes from the Greeks. Oh. Because they're the farthest back that we can blame. Okay, right? I mean, maybe there's somebody <laughs> before them. Yeah, but uh, but 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 they had saw themselves as a particular people and everyone else as barbarians. Okay, and then it went through Rome, and they saw themselves as the Romans, and they did actually accommodate other people's religious beliefs at some point, mm-hmm. as long as you said that Caesar was God under some certain um, uh, uh, emperors. And now let's go to to England. Okay, now this is where it gets really interesting to me. And in England, England is nothing but an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different tribes. Yeah. And they are so amalgamated, and uh, they somehow came up with this like idea of the royal line and the royal bloodlines. Yeah. And then they did the same thing for horses. The purity. The purity. And they did the same thing for dogs. Uh, dogs. Uh, and... And I believe that the notions, the modern notions that we have really come out of England. Yeah. And um, they they are so amalgamated that I think that, that it was an inferiority thing, right? So they were horrible to the Celts. They called them in the, the heathen, you know. Mm. The people the, of the heath. Yes, of, of the heather. And so, um, but, but a heathen became sort of a byword. Sure. Right? 
Um, and who were the British? Well, the British were the pure, right? Mm. And that's why uh, their their kings and princes had to be of certain bloodlines, and only in those bloodlines. In the intermarrying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, uh, and it's like, uh, to quote a good Englishman, yeah. methinks the woman doth protest, protest too much. <laughs> I think it's an overcompensation, right, uh. for their inability to prove their own bloodlines. And so that comes to America. And what is America formed for? America is formed for the gentry. The white landowning male gentry. Mm-hmm. That is who it ideally is set up for. And so there becomes then immediately this other category and the prime category. And so if you're part of the prime category, then you have the pure bloodlines. And of course, uh, all you had to do was see uh, uh, the movie uh, Gangs of New York. And you see that the English are the natives, right? They're the pure, and everybody else sort of is in a sort of a, a degrading um, spiral from that point down. It was not then unusual then uh, for the United States when they took custody of the tribes, okay? Mm-hmm. So now it's like they own the native peoples. When they took custody of the tribes, um, they began to, to, to look at a way to, to tell who was native and who was not native. And I believe it was set up for planned obsolescence. So if you simply say a native must be a full blood or a native must be a half or a native must be a quarter, which is where most of the tribes went, by the way, eventually a quarter, that means as soon as you begin to marry out, which was the plan, it was planned assimilation from every president, from George Washington forward, Planned assimilation so that they would actually become obsolete and there wouldn't no, would no longer be a native problem. And so uh, if you aren't a quarter Indian and, let me add to that, that if you did not have business with the United States of America, in other words, if they could get away with not making a treaty with you or with the people that you're living with or near, sometimes they group tribes all together, then you are not a federally recognized tribe. And so, um, and and by being federally recognized, you must be like, for example, a quarter of quarter Indian blood and be able to prove it, right? Hmm. So now it's the colonial power who's giving the power to the tribes to say who's native. All right, yeah. you following me still? Yeah. Okay. And um, but with the future anticipation that they will eventually marry and bury out. And so there will no longer exist. And we've seen that happen with certain tribes. And we've seen the government come in then and say, well, there's, you know, after all their antics to say, well, there's not enough, you know, speakers so like Osage, for example, mm-hmm. and, and pure blood Osage. So, you know, uh, we need to fold the federal recognition in on you. Really? Yeah. And so, so this is the ultimate plan. Um, so this does away with the quote unquote Indian problem. Um, so now there are as many non-federally recognized tribes right. in the United States uh, or communities, we could say, as there are federally recognized. Right. And what's happened is that the often those who are federally recognized, who are, who are recognized by the colonial power, do not recognize anybody outside of those. Uh-oh. They say, oh, they're the fake Indians. Okay. They're not real Indians. And, and sometimes they actually are. Um, and they're just like people who want to be Indian, right? Okay. And sometimes they, they have long heritages and long, uh, you know, and, and they just can't prove 
their descendancy according to um, the kinds of uh, ways that the, the tribe via the government requires. And so, um, and, and I'm not, every tribe is different, but most have like a quarter. Now a lot of them are moving to an eighth. Um, because an eighth. an eighth, yeah. Um, other ones are taking like any native blood you have from any tribe and then making that into their own tribe as a way to amass more of that blood. Whoa. Yeah. So, um, so it's really a kind of a silly enterprise. But there's, it's almost impossible for Native American people to agree who constitutes a Native. And there are at least, I, I think, seven different federal definitions. You know, one is um, that uh, you're recognized as a Native person, a longstanding Native person in your community, a yep. Native community. Um, and so there's all kinds of things. And, and so, yes... Finding native blood in your DNA does not make you a native. But you might also be a full blood and by the same standards, uh, culturally, not be a native. You may not identify as a native. Um, You may have people who are like Elizabeth Warren who might be 132nd or 1512th. You might have a person who's a full blood and yet that person with the 132nd might culturally identify, keep their traditions, um, uh, etc., the same way or, or in a much uh, more robust way than the person who's a full blood who just says, well, I just happen to be native. Um, so the federal tribes will say it's up to us who are federally recognized to decide how a person is recognized by us. And that's one valid definition. Um, but I think it's much more complex than most people realize. You, just your definition was more complex <coughs> than I realized. and Yeah, and I just I, talked about part of it. And I thought I knew something ab- about it. That is, boy, that's way more complicated than I even was expecting. Right. Um, on a slight side note, I, I want to bring something up that I really have been waiting to talk to you about. One of my sort of hobbies is I collect oddities in our culture when two things are happening at the same time. So this started when I was a youth pastor, and I noticed that both obesity and anorexia were both problems in my youth group, mm-hmm. right, and in culture as a whole. And I thought, oh, you know what that's saying is we have something's wrong with our relationship to food, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when you show up at, um, at Chipotle, they don't list, like, the animals that things come from. It's all under protein. We just call it protein now. Okay. And, like, we, something's warped in our relationship to food. So, like, I collect examples of this. And so um, my newest one is that gender reveal parties where mm-hmm. people – are at the same time, ironically, that we're trying to figure out if transgender people can use a bathroom. Like, something's wrong with the way we put sex and gender on Mm -hmm. our babies, Mm -hmm. and so we can't quite figure out this uh, binary. Mm -hmm. And so there's these two really weird things. One is this massive celebration of the gender reveal before the baby's even born. Mm -hmm. That's become really popular and like these viral videos, right? Right. And at the same time, we're having this massive fight in our culture about 
transgender people using certain bathrooms. Okay. So that tells me something's wrong with the male or female, right? The the gender binary. The gender binary. So okay. now we come to race. Okay. So this is my this is this week. This is what I've been thinking about. It's weird that in the same time as these DNA tests are coming out that can tell you what you are uh-huh. and percentages yeah. is in the same window of time where we've decided that there is no such thing as race, that it's a social construct, and that um, that racism is the participation in that bad understanding of race from the colonial era. But it's weird that we are both saying, oh, race is a construct and not a real thing. We're all part of the human race. At the same time that we're fascinated with our blood and actually seeing math percentages of what we are. And the fact that those two things are coupled during the same window tells me we don't understand race at all. That's interesting. What do you call those kinds of collections? I don't know. Uh, Those binary. Those binaries. (laughs) I have a new segment. Well, every time I find one of these and I bring it to you, we'll have to come up with like a little with a ditty. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of them that I've collected where I've said, you know, what's weird is that these two things were in the news at the same time. Yeah, but it usually exposes something deeper. Yeah, going on. Like, for instance, megachurches, mm-hmm. the rise of the megachurch was happening at the exact same time as the percentage of people who identified as nuns. Mm. So more people were opting out of the Christianity or religion at the same time that, that the rise of the megachurch had more people going to churches over 2,000 people. That's weird that that's happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So where did Elizabeth Warren fit into this one? So, you know, her percentage comes out, and then everyone feels like, oh, so she does have Native American in her background, right? Well, but, but, but there are people on the other side, and I, this just really came out, you know, just recently. So, yeah. But I'm sure we'll hear the other side, which is, well, that's not really enough to be Native, or uh, you're not Native unless the tribe uh, uh, recognizes you, or, you know, and this whole DNA business, it... You know, um, as one uh, geneticist explained it to me when I asked about it, it's like um, I'm holding a, a glass of water, or I set a glass of water on the table, and then I go get a 50-gallon uh, barrel, and the 50-gallon barrel has all of my DNA from all of my ancestors, mm-hmm. and I'm the glass of water, and, it, and it pour the whole barrel in, I only get certain ancestors' DNA. So um, you're not getting... It doesn't prove... Uh, mm. what you're not, it yeah. only proves what you are. Now, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so it, she might have just as well not had it and still could have uh, native DNA. So, it, you know, it's just a, a gamble of what you get. You can't get everything from your, yeah. and all your ancestors. You only get what has been passed down yeah. to those. So, um, yeah, so so the DNA tests are good at telling us what we are, yeah. but it's, they're not good at telling us what else we might be. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay, wow, there's a lot here. So let me just ask you the question I really want to ask. Okay. The so what question. Mm-hmm. Because I'm very confused about the whole federal recognition thing. Like I had a friend who was an academic 
And she wrote amazing books, uh, indigenous sociology and and, and all in histories. And then when she and got women studies, I think we're talking about the same person. <laughs> and then when she got popular enough in our you know uh, culture of outrage, mm-hmm. right? Our, she got outed for not being a real <coughs> Indian or Indian enough by some people who said, you know, this is the tribe, right? And then your family and your name's not listed, and right? And then so there was this big scandal, and she ended up changing institutions. And that whole thing was fascinating to me to watch because if people are gatekeeping who gets to belong and who's Indian enough, mm-hmm. and, like, I have so many questions. And now with this Elizabeth Warren thing, I, what I really want to ask is the so what question. Mm-hmm. So let me give you my uh, well, anecdote, and then... Okay, yeah, I just want to say that I, I thought that was uh, really a disgrace, what happened to that person, yeah. by the way. Yeah, oh my so, goodness, it's troubling at yeah. the deepest level. I call those the Indian police. They're <laughs> going to make sure that everybody's, uh, you know, would they ever, all their I's dotted and all their T's crossed. Would they ever come after you? Sure, yeah, I mean, I'm a um, federally recognized uh, descendant, um, and I have paperwork from my tribe, yeah. so... Um, this is something that the, the tribe has actually um, uh, addressed with me, and so I can prove that. But, uh, for example, I had a person come after me one time and said, you know, well, you're a fake Indian because uh, you're che- you say you're Cherokee, but you wear an uh, 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 eagle feather headdress. And I'm like, what? Yeah, Cherokees don't wear headdresses. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe that was back in the, you know, in the 1740s, we didn't wear those kind of headdresses. But now that we're all pan-Indian, yeah. one of the highest honors you can be given uh, in Native community is an eagle feather bonnet. Mm. And uh, and so uh, some elders got together and wanted to um, express their thanks to me mm-hmm. for the, my service in the Native community. And, uh, and, and so they... In public, at a ceremony, at a public powwow with other bonnet carriers from other tribes, um, you know, uh, uh, basically approved that, carried the ceremony out the way it was supposed to be done, did it all in public, and uh, honored me with that eagle feather headdress. And, um, and and this person was just showing their ignorance. They don't understand pan-Indian culture. Uh, you know, maybe they've never been out of their particular area or something. I don't know. But... Um, uh, uh, and so, yes, you know, it is not our tribal regalia, but when someone, when elders want to give you yeah. a headdress, you don't say, oh, no, that's not right. of my tradition, right? right? So, Interesting. So, um, yeah, so I had that person, and uh, um, and then my wife said, uh, let me talk to that person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And then uh, I don't think she had any more questions after that. Wow. So you shared a memory on Facebook a couple years ago of your son, Young, testifying in front of city council, I think. Mm-hmm. And so when he begins, he gives his, uh, he started with Shoshone, mm-hmm. and right, so he has... He's a Shoshone tribal member of uh, the Eastern Band of Shoshones in Wyoming, yeah. So is it is it maternal? Is it... Yeah, through the, through the maternal, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's the other thing is that federally you can only be um, a member of one tribe. It doesn't matter if you're oh. half one and half the other. You got to pick one. Oh. So, um, and and different tribes have different um, requirements. 
And they generally fall either to blood quantum or whether you had an ancestor on a particular role or not. Interesting. And at a certain particular time. And so it's, uh, you know, there's... And, and then there's a lot of records that have yeah. burned up and sure. things like that. And so it's kind of catch-as-catch-can. But um, basically, if you stayed in your community, uh, there's a good chance that you'll be able to find your records and who you are as a Native person. I also think um, uh, that is the case, especially in the southeast, right about the the because a lot of people will say, "Oh my, you know, we have a family like Elizabeth Warren did uh, a, a um, story in our family about mm-hmm. how my grandmother was a full blood Cherokee, blah blah blah," and um, uh, and and I think there's a lot of reasons that that occurred. Uh, one of them was because um, this is right about the time. When newspapers, it was sort of the social media of the day, that newspapers actually should, could get news out fairly quickly, mm. especially in the East. And so there's a whole lot of uh, community support, especially from New England, who had forgotten 100 years before they started moving all their Indians out, right? But now they're liberal and they want to cry for the Cherokees and others who are being moved out. And, uh, and so there's that public uh, sentiment. And uh, and then there's the people who came in and took the land after, after the people were moved out. And I think a lot of them told the story, oh, well, really, our grandmother was part Cherokee and we got this land because, you know, that it wasn't that or she had to pretend blah, blah, blah. And, and so they they end up kind of being seeing themselves as the victim as opposed to the, you know, mm-hmm. the conqueror who came in and stole the land. And so that out, maybe oh. out of guilt. So there's a lot of reasons for wow. all of these kinds of things. I mean, this is, yeah, and and so Native identity becomes this really crazy thing. I mean, I don't know, you know, we've my wife and I have been in service to uh, Native people in the United States and Canada for like 30 years now, and we've done just about everything in terms of helps and ways to help people, and, and uh, we've been around a lot of different kinds of people, but... I, I, especially uh, when you get to the like 60 years old and younger, mm-hmm. I haven't met a whole lot of Native people who haven't at least struggled at some point in their life with some kind of identity issue. It doesn't matter if you're a full blood or mixed blood or whatever it is. So, um, and I, I think um, uh, the, the real culprit is colonialism. Yeah. And what colonialism has done to us. And then part of that colonial enterprise is to create a self hatred. Um, so that we uh, we actually hate each other and mm. and hate oftentimes hate ourselves for mm. who we are and who we're not. So. Oh boy, let me give you my uh, anecdote, and then that's going to be our our um, our so what question at the end. So when I was down at Claremont, um, because I'm a straight white guy, I didn't have access to many scholarships or grants. Um, those were almost exclusively, you know, because it's a, a big mainline school and the endowments are set up a certain way for uh, people from minority communities or different cultural backgrounds, and I applaud that. But people were always telling me, you should get a DNA test to see if, uh, you should get a DNA test to see if you have any Native American, <laughs> you? because there's this Native American scholarship that goes largely unused. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's not the right thing to do. Because I wasn't raised Native American, 
because I don't participate in a Native community, because I don't have that as part of my story, I don't do the ceremonies and celebrations, it hasn't been a part of my conceptual participation in the world. I've never been treated a certain way because I present as Native. That's just not the right thing to do. So just because it's a technicality you can get away with through a DNA test doesn't mean, like, that. it's troubling to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I generally agree with you, but there's a whole lot of people who I've met because of the you know what is known in, mostly in Canada as the stolen generation, but it also happened in the United States uh, when um, native babies were taken from um, you know parents uh, for the slightest impropriety and then put in the adoption system and adopted out. So there's a whole lot of native people who were raised by white parents huh. and. Um, they sometimes feel the same way you do. Well, I wasn't raised that way. But actually, I think that's that's not fair to them. Um, I think that a lot of times they're trying to find out who they are. Mm. And they're trying to find their communities. But sometimes for one reason or the other, they don't fit back in or they can't find their communities or whatever. But yet they're they're clearly native mm-hmm. uh, um, uh and I I know lots of different people who have this experience, and uh, and I wouldn't say so. That's the same for everybody. It's not a one size fits all. So I think those that. people need to find out because I I have this belief that our uh, might sound kind of spooky to some people, but um, I think uh, when we talk about DNA, I think our ancestors call us back. Mm-hmm. Um, they give us dreams. Uh, they give us feelings. They give us. Uh, this uh, I talk to so many people who I can look at, and they look way more more uh, native than I do in terms of their blood quantum and things like that. And they'll say, "Do I, you know? I feel like I don't have a right to this or whatever." But they'll say, "But I've just got this feeling in my guts, and I just can't get rid of it." And mm. and I, I will say, you know, have you ever thought about maybe that's your ancestors mm. who are calling you back uh, back home to be who they intended you to be. And so, um, and I've, I've seen people really whose whole lives were changed uh, in a good way because of that. So, so, um, so yeah. So I don't think. Wow. You know, I think for you, maybe that's the right thing to do, but for others, maybe not. Wow, I, my brain is on fire right now. In the last episode, we talked a little about process thought, and I just the one thing I wish I had mentioned then that I thought you would really like is in process thought. There's a thing called prehending which is that each actual occasion or each actual entity, like you or me or each actual moment, prehends all of the moments that were before it. And so this is the same sort of language about the ancestors and that um, coming to us, that their memories and their experiences and their perspectives come to us, whether we have ever met them or not, or even been told about them, that they're present and we prehend them. So that sounds like, a, for me, I love that concept. Yeah, and I think that's a, a clearly a almost universal native yeah. belief. Huh. Um, and, but I think, you know, I, I mean, does, isn't that what the scripture says when it says that you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses? Yeah. I mean, that's, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So. The last thing um, is that, you know, before I met you, Sort of the legend in our family was we when people would ask what we were because this is a very colonial question, uh, we'd say we're Dutch, French, English, Irish, and Indian. 
And then everyone would always say, what's the Indian part? <laughs> and, you know, because I did have a great-grandfather who, you know, I'm pretty sure um, he was one of those people that you're talking about that he might have been half, but he lived, he was raised in the, a white family and didn't, but they always thought, and so the legend about him is that he was kind of a different character and he'd go for like, day-long walks, like for days and days by himself, everyone thought he was a little off, and they blamed it on the Indian part of him. Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting that you said that for a person like that, that part of their story is that um, they were Native, and that because of the breakdown in whatever culture or tribe was there, that they may have been raised in the white culture that's fascinating to think about, and I have never once sort of given that whole legend mm -hmm. credibility until I heard you say that. I started thinking, I might need to revisit this. Yeah, you might need to listen for your ancestors. Wow. It's a complex thing. Human beings are complex, right? And so huh. this is a complex, one of our many complex problems. It's about identity. It's about, you know, who we are. Um, and we don't, we, because of colonialism uh, and because of uh, the global, you know, uh, situation we find ourselves in, we don't keep our stories very well anymore. Mm. But there was a time when we kept our stories. Uh, I'm, I was visiting with a friend of mine uh, down in uh, uh, New Mexico. We were at the um, uh, Santa Domingo Pueblo Feast Day. And uh, we were with my friend Larry and his wife Deborah, and we were, um, uh, they had hosted us. We were at their back porch that looks onto the plaza where there was about 2,000 Indians dancing, um, Pueblos, on this feast day. And, and he makes the comment, um, you know, uh, this, the house that we're setting at is an 800 year old house. And I said, can you say that again? Because it's kind of loud, and I wasn't sure I heard him right. He said, this is an 800-year-old house. And then he started to recount the stories from the great, <laughs> the, however many greats that would be, grandfather who came to that village and some of the things that happened 800 years ago. Um, so, uh, and, oh and if you know anything about the Pueblos, not until recently had they really been invaded by, well, 1680, um, the Spanish, but, but they've... They've remained somewhat intact. There's a whole lot of pueblos that don't exist anymore, but but they've done a I think a fairly good job at trying to maintain their traditions and stories, and families keep their stories. And so, um, I'm just thinking how uh, the worse we are for not being able to keep our family stories that would give us the kinds of identity and stay in communities that would reinforce those mm. that identity. Well, listener, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. And because we know that this is going to come out a week after we record it, it's possible that a lot's going to happen in this Elizabeth Warren story by the time you hear this. So um, please give us grace if we missed a, a major part of the story because it hadn't come to light yet. Yeah, like um, Trump has promised if she can come up with the DNA in, in, in DNA in her blood, that he would give a million dollars to her favorite charity. No, I actually I heard uh, the news conference on my way here. He said it doesn't matter. Oh, because I was hoping it would be to our organization. I don't know. Our podcast. I don't know. Oh, my God. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, 
you can get in touch with us in a number of ways. So if you like our Facebook page, you can send us a message uh, through the email there, a direct message, and then no one else will be able to see if you'd like to share with us part of your story. You can email us at connect at piecingitalltogether.com. That comes to just Randy and I. Um, if you do want to post in the show notes on the website, the episode for here, you can do that. Um, you can send us a message through Patreon if you're one of our supporters, and uh, we get that as well. So we would love to know uh, your thoughts on this really elaborate and complex issue. If you have any stories about DNA testing, um, that might be helpful to us to hear because I haven't I haven't had it done. So yeah. please, though, do not. This is one request. Do not ask us to help you find your lost Indian ancestors. I've been dealing with people asking me that for so many years, and uh, I really can't help you. Oh, boy. That takes a full-time genealogist to do that. Okay. Good to know. So please, okay, so not that. But if you have other thoughts or stories, we'd be interested in that. Thank you for your support. Share this with your friends, if you would. Give us an iTunes review. Go to Patreon uh, and support us. We really could use uh, the support. And we're just thankful for the connection that we have with you. We really are. Peace out.